Welcome. My name is Eddie Arrieta. This is Fulfilling Work Life. We intend to talk to leaders, professionals, remoters, human beings from all around the world who share with us their knowledge. Join me in this daily journey. Thank you so much for joining us on episode, I think I wrote episode 13, um, which is crazy. Uh, It's already been, I think I calculated my weeks wrong too. I said it was week three, but it's, oh no, no, it is week three. Wow, we're already three weeks into April, technically. Yeah, time flies, eh? I'm having um, a moment, sorry. Uh, (laughs) And Remy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, admittedly, I'm not the most uh, morning person, and I'm in Vancouver right now, so it's 7 oh, a.m. my time. Early. But uh, I've got a green tea, and I had a little walk outside beforehand, so I'm, I'm actually doing great. And to be honest with you, in this kind of like work from home, we're all social isolating world, to kick off the day with a conversation is actually a pretty awesome way to kick off the day uh, um, to kind of get things going versus falling into what can kind of be a little bit of a lazy routine when you're just mm-hmm. at home, you know, every yeah. day. So thanks for having me. And uh, for all the people I can see who are tuning in, thanks for taking your time out of your morning or afternoon or whatever time zone it is to join us today. And um, I just want to say I am also drinking a green tea here as well. So we are green tea buddies today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Usually people just stream in slowly, and then there's people on the Facebook stream as well, which is pretty cool. And um, of course, we post all the recordings afterwards on our Facebook and our YouTube, so you can rewatch it or refer to it anytime. And if anybody has any questions, please feel free to pop it up in the chat box or in the Q&A or whatever you want to do. Um, I am constantly monitoring as we continue with our conversation today. So thank you everyone for being here. Thanks Remy for being here. And you know what, let's, let's kick it off. Um, so Remy is part of, is, okay, I keep in my head, I call it, I say team it. You nailed it. Team it. Perfect. I'm like, is it Team IT or Team It? Because I think if we were in the 90s, it would probably be Team IT. But you know, in uh, in modern days, Team It. Right. Yeah. That's good. I am. Um, I am in the modern times then. Yeah. Um, so Remy's part of Team It, and they basically, you guys basically hire and um, help project manage and make teams for software development projects. Emma, is that correct? Yeah, close. So, so more specifically, um, uh, Alistair is the name of our, our founder. He kind of saw the writing on the wall with this remote stuff a couple of years ago. Most of the team at Teamit are really experienced uh, recruiters um, and talent folks based out of Alberta, Canada. And they used to be traditional tech recruiters. And a couple of years ago, they saw, well, these thing, things are going remote. And a lot of companies, especially companies in Silicon Valley, uh, Seattle, New York can't get access to the right talent. So mm. they pivoted, created Teamit, and the model is essentially building high quality, quality distributed development teams and technical teams um, with Canadian talent for companies anywhere in the world. Just so happens some of the biggest talent crunches are in Silicon Valley, Seattle, et cetera. So most mm-hmm. of the clients we've worked with so far are tech firms out of the US who are basically building um, distributed teams uh, in Canada with, with the really high quality talent we have up here. So how did you get involved with Teamit? 
Um, Where does your story start with them? Yeah, I mean, so I guess to go back a little bit, my story really starts uh, with kind of my first professional uh, job, which is working for the University of Victoria in recruitment. It's also kind of where I got my first taste of remote-esque work. Um, it was more like traveling work. I was on the road three to four months of the year uh, doing recruiting for their undergraduate students. And then so you just have to learn how to work out of coffee shops and hotel lobbies and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but from there, I, I pivoted into to tech and worked for a couple of different tech companies um, in, in kind of what I would call hybrid remote positions. Um, mm -hmm. So part in the office, part out of the office. And then after kind of five years of doing that, I found kind of my two passions coalescing where I ended up working for Lighthouse Labs, which is uh, Canada's biggest boot camp, with campuses kind of all over the country. And that was my real entrance into tech talent. So I was, you know, working for um, a company that was essentially training the Canadian developers of the future, if you would, kind of training up the, the new cohorts of junior developers. Um, and when I kind of, tie, uh, kind of found myself looking for a change after about three years there, uh, it was actually the director of HR at Lighthouse Labs who introduced me to Alistair and Teamit because um, she thought we would get along. Uh, and we did, we just hit it off. And then now I've kind of graduated from that tech education and junior tech talent area into kind of working with really high class teams. We're quite focused on intermediate and senior developers and people who have experience with remote work and stuff like that. So that's this new foray I found myself in kind of only in the past couple of months, mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty fortuitous timing because um, we're all remote now. Um, <laughs> everyone's team is remote now. So um, at least if you're in a, a country that's currently being affected by the pandemic. So. And um, so, yes, as you were saying, timing could not have been more perfect. And knowing that, I'm sure like a lot of your focus is now on how to help your clients and the ones that are struggling with mm -hmm. force shift and remote get used to all the changes in the workplace. Totally. How has your workload been? How has all that like blown up has it blown up or i mean mine is my main role at teamit is building out our community of of technical talent so mm -hmm. it, where it has increased in a really unfortunate way is um, a lot of companies have had to deal with layoffs uh mm -hmm. because of this they there's uncertainty with their revenue streams um you know some travel tech companies just saw all of a bunch of their clients dry up so mm -hmm. so there's been a lot of work there working with talent who you know two months ago in the type of economy and job market we had would have no problem with securing really good jobs or um or being in the jobs they were in um tech talents in pretty high demand and working with them to kind of create game plans moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, but a big piece is exactly what you said. Um, not, not so much me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim to be at the near expert that some of the long-term you know, HR folks are on our team, uh, but we do have a lot of expertise on our team and exactly what, around what you said, which is workforce planning and uh, kind of realigning your North Star uh, based on what sort of team we call it. We, we use the, it's 
up here, hockey analogy, uh, probably elsewhere, soccer analogy, but your bench, who's on your bench, right? What does your bench look like? And what are you going, uh, what sort of bench do you need to go forward into the game and go for the goals you're looking after? Um, so we're providing a lot of advice on that because overnight people's entire um, goals, you know, visions, missions for their company have changed in the next year or two. And that could have mm -hmm. changed to pure survival mode. Uh, to give you a brief example, you know, Lighthouse Labs, where I was working just before this, used to be an in-person coding boot camp with six mm -hmm. campuses across the country. I, I was still there when this happened. Basically, over a long weekend, they went from six fully in-person campuses running full-time to a completely distributed boot camp and moved everything mm -hmm. online. And when you think about that, it's not just the physicality changes and now you need Zoom and et cetera, et cetera. There was all of these people, uh, employees, who had specific jobs that were tailored around the old business model with the old goals. Mm -hmm. So after the dust settled and we got, you know, Zoom set up and Discourse set up and all the tools and all of the communication and talking to our clients and our students, we then had to look around at our, our bench and be like, what are all the jobs that don't make sense anymore? What are all the jobs that now need to be done that this entire business model is different? Uh, whose jobs stay the same and make sense and then who has to be reskilled, upskilled, and unfortunately, mm -hmm. who has to be let go and then needs to be replaced by a completely different skill set, right? Um, so that whole kind of thing, the forecasting of what is the bench you need for the goals you're going after, that's kind of what the term workforce planning, um, that's kind of the definition of workforce planning. And we found ourselves kind of providing a lot of, uh, whether it's through blogs or webinars, but also just a lot of phone calls, a lot of workforce planning support to our clients, which are the tech companies that are finding their team and model or whatever changing. And then to be frank, there's, there's a lot of people who aren't affected by this in that they were maybe pre-product or they just raised, you know, a huge C round or something like that. And so they're just like, yeah, actually, this is great for us. We want to hire whatever the best talent is. And now there's a bunch of talent hitting the market mm -hmm. and, and nothing's really changed for us because we were planning on building out a product for a year, or we happen to have a service that isn't affected at least yet uh, by, by the economic implications of the pandemic. Got it. Yeah. Like, I guess for us as well, I mean, we're pretty lucky that we have been remote. I mean, at Tori, we've been remote since day one. Mm -hmm. So it's our processes haven't really changed at all either. Mm -hmm. We still, we're still working remotely and we're still going at it, but there have, uh, been a lot of, I've, like groups and or slack slack communities and things like that set up to totally. help people with this with these times um which is awesome to see like a community come together and just totally everybody's I, in the same boat the same boat exactly and i think what's important to conceptualize is is there's two components in what you just said highlighted it and there's the component of well, did you already have some form of remote working culture, right? That's the first big hurdle a lot of organizations have gone through, which mm -hmm. is 
they weren't set up for remote or fully remote. And so a company like yours, a company like mine, I was already remote working for Teamit before this happened. That's the first hurdle. But then the other hurdle, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that I imagine that, that Torre doesn't have to uh, deal with so much is, you know, the, the fact that you guys are creating essentially like a talent network. Mm largely influenced by remoters and remote working, right? That's a big mm -hmm. component of that talent network. While there is a lot of, like, there are still, it's down for sure, but there's still people hiring. And there's also now a lot of people who beforehand, you know, their resume was old, their LinkedIn hadn't been updated. It didn't matter. They had a good job. They've, they've been at this company for X amount of years and they saw no reason they wouldn't be, but now, companies are doing layoffs, companies are going under. So mm -hmm. like your service is necessary now, there's gonna be a lot of people who are now very conscious again about mm -hmm. their online profile. So your business model is still the same. And in fact, it, you know, there should be even more people accessing your, your service right now. And there's lots of opportunity for you to position yourselves as experts mm -hmm. on remote work, which is also now the, you know, one of the biggest topics. Mm -hmm. So, those two hurdles, certain companies like yours, certain companies like mine, those, those two hurdles, one is almost non-existent because we were already remote. And then the other one is actually we're kind of experts in this. So we have to pivot around a few things to see where we can help and provide support and add value, but things haven't changed that much. Whereas other companies are dealing with the first hurdle of we have to get everybody remote and we weren't. And it's the obvious things from Zoom and tools, but it's also the non-obvious things like people who live in a studio apartment and have no form of working space in their mm -hmm. house and have to get an office chair and all that stuff. But then the next hurdle that I think a lot of, um, it, some companies have maybe done just intuitively and, and subconsciously, some companies we've seen be very conscious about it, but I think some companies still haven't realized it yet is you need to sit down and talk about how if, if, if you don't have a business product um, goals that are somehow magically super aligned with this new world we're in, you have to have a complete conversation about that and de deconstruct everything. You know, I read a lot of um, blog posts and letters of, of big VC companies that they've sent to all the startups and stuff that they're invested in, just being like, Go back to the drawing board. I know we might have spent like the last two years hashing out this mission and this North Star, but like pretend like you got to throw all of that away, start with a completely fresh sheet mm -hmm. and create it all over again. And then the next thing is, uh, and this is just like another step you have to do after that is when you've created that and you've thought about that is, okay, well, this entire team we've built and the skill set we've built and even the org structure we had. Mm -hmm that was all built for the old goal and the old mission and like the, you know, before the pandemic and we've had to create a whole new North star. And does this mix of people make sense with this new star is the roles they're in make sense. And do the skill sets make sense? And ideally what, I, what we're really advocating for is if the answer to that last one is no, is look how you can shift people around. This is also a great time for upskilling and reskilling, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, there's really a lot of, it's like an onion, right? Every mm -hmm. layer you get through of dealing with moving to this, this remote situation um, and this new economic situation, there's like a new layer each time. Um, I'm sure that, I mean, of course you guys are 
basically doing that on the daily and helping your clients with that, with mm-hmm. all the lessons that you have shared with us. Uh, I thought it'd be a good time to, if you want, bring up your slides and things that you prepare too. Oh yeah. So I'm sorry. I don't have uh, slides, but I have kind of pre-prepared a couple of specific Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, around the idea of workforce planning. So we, we've kind of just naturally gone through quite a bit of it. Oh, okay. Um, awesome. So at least the opening component of like what workforce planning is. So once again, workforce planning, there's, there's the, the whole realm of HR, right? There's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's recruiting, there's all of like the messy stuff that everyone should be very grateful that you, you know, there's someone in your company that does it mm-hmm. from payroll and all of that kind of administrative stuff. And then there's workforce planning, which is very high level, right? And, and uh, it is essentially what I said before, which is, you know, forecasting future HR requirements uh, to ensure that you have the right mix of employees to match up with your business goals. And right mix is usually the combination of two things. It's the actual quantity of employees mixed with the right type of employees. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to build out a digital product, you know, you're going to need a designer, you're going to need a developer, project manager, et cetera, et cetera. And depending on the scope of that product, you're going to need different amounts of each one of those people, right? Mm -hmm. And in an ideal world, when you're doing workforce planning really well, you know, you're having your head of HR or maybe a consultant you work with or whoever that is sitting down with your senior team um, and in advance talking about what are the business goals three months out, six months out, one year out, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's really dig into like, what does the team need to look like to line up with those goals at three months out, six months out, one year out, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ideally that's a, you know, thoughtful, thorough sort of practice. A lot of people are being rapidly pushed into that right now, right? Yeah. Because things have changed overnight. Um, so that's kind of workforce planning and what we've been discussing a lot internally and then now with clients and me just in general with with people and contacts of mine are okay there's a unique set of opportunities from a workforce planning lens and there's a unique set of risks um uh during the pandemic and during what i'm calling this like suddenly remote or rapidly remote uh arena everyone has to play in so kind of talking about the opportunities um and actually this would be a good moment if there is anybody, I've seen the chat is pulled up on uh, on the Zoom link. Just I'm interested to hear uh, because, uh, as always, I'm not definitely don't have all the right answers. Is there anybody um, who's on our call right now? If you want to check them up into the chat, um, can you think of any unique specific opportunities in terms of workforce planning that that? Uh, our, our current situation is presenting. And maybe I'll just start going through mine, but I'll keep an eye on that chat. And I would mm-hmm. really love to hear from the audience if, if you guys have any, um, any thoughts. Uh, so the big one, which I kind of alluded to before, and it's, it's the one that's kind of tough because it sounds very opportunistic, but the reality is you have to be opportunistic if you're running a business. But the reality is, if you're in a position to hire, and I know a lot of people aren't right now, there's a lot of hiring phases, mm-hmm. but right now is an opportunity to access a lot of previously unavailable talent because of layoffs. 
So there is really high quality talent. Um, we primarily work in Canada and North America, so I'll just speak about that region, but there's a lot of really high quality talent that would have been hard to get before um, that is now popping up because unfortunately companies are leaning out or they are going under completely. And that's an opportunity, um, especially if you're hiring and especially if you're doing what I uh, alluded to beforehand, which is kind of rejigging your team and you're having to like uh, change up that mix of employees moving forward. Um, another opportunity right now, um, and there's, there's kind of a series of opportunities underneath this across, the, across your entire business strategy, um, but it's using the cloud cover. So as a leader, you might've wanted to do some experiments. You might've wanted to change your org chart, um, but there may have been pushback from employees um, and there's maybe certain things about your product that there may have been pushback from even customers. Well, there's a certain essence of cloud cover from this pandemic. Everybody kind of understands that the world's been turned upside down and that businesses have to adapt and shift in order to survive. Um, so one of the biggest ones, and I know our company and your company and probably some of the companies of people who are tuning in have already had this experience, but a lot of companies, whether it's at the leadership level or the staff level, have been have potentially been resistant to the idea of having a scalable contractor workforce. So mm -hmm. they might just be all in on only full-time employees and that's the way they operate. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of benefits um, to being a you know, full-time employee, permanent employee, like 90% of the work I've done professionally has been in that case. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also have experience as a, a contractor as well. And so this is an opportunity for a company that never has before experimented with a scalable or flexible contract work, contractor work pool. Um, because A, if there was some negative viewpoints about using that in the past, basically you can say, well, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now. We need to kind of rapidly adapt. This makes the most sense. Um, but also it's kind of an essential, for a lot of companies, it's gonna be the essential time. Some companies might know what they need to do in the next three months, and they might also only have, you know, three to six months worth of cash reserves uh, to kind of really do some rapid experiments. Now is the right time to potentially uh, experiment and work with contractors on part-time basis or full-time basis on short-term contracts and experiment there. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the last ones, uh, and then this one actually bleeds into a risk, is this is a great opportunity for upskilling and reskilling current employees. So some of it may need to be, will be essential in that, and it can be very basic. Some of the upskilling you might need to do is if you have a company and employees that don't have a lot of experience with online tools, you absolutely shouldn't just be saying, all right, everyone gets Zoom, that's what we're using now. Mm -hmm. If you have, a, if you have a, you know, employees that are used to using online tools, especially online communication tools, no problem. But if you're just gonna start, you know, chucking Slack and Zoom and Google Hangouts and, you know, whatever else at people, you better be thinking and working with like whoever your HR team is and your managers on like proper training and upskilling of these tools because kind of a little bit of like 
effort put into sharpening the axe before you chop the tree is going to save you a lot of headaches down the line. Um, so that's kind of the obvious one, which is like, you know, what are these new skills that people need right now? The other, a little bit less so obvious one is the one we talked about earlier too, which is if you're shifting people's whole job descriptions and what they're supposed to be looking at, then you, then you need to be thinking about how you're providing the upskilling and reskilling to do that. And then the third one, and this typically only applies to companies who are in kind of the privileged position of maybe work has slowed down a little bit, but through a mixture of wage subsidies, depending on what your country you're in, different small businesses are getting different levels of help. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on what your cash reserves are like, you know, there are companies that are having a slowdown, but that doesn't mean they're having to necessarily lay off employees. And what it is providing, which is an absolute privilege, is employees with extra time. Um, some companies, what I've seen them do is be like, you know what, for the first few weeks of this, use that time to just, you know, take care of yourself. You take care of your family, go for walks, whatever. And I think that's awesome. If you have the luxury of being able to do that during these, you know, really tough um, emotional times for people, amazing. But after a while, I think a lot of people are going to want to feel productive again. Mm -hmm. So this is an incredible time for like true upskilling and reskilling and professional development. Um, and really digging in with your employees and talking to them about what are the ways they want to professionally develop, where did they want to get better, and then aligning those to those new business goals and that new North Star that we talked about before. So this is a fantastic opportunity for this. There's um, a lot of you know, online learning organizations that are offering discounts and scholarships and stuff like that during this time from boot camps to whatever. Uh, a lot of people don't know, and this is more North America specific, um, that, you know, lynda.com usually has agreements with your local public library. So most of your staff can get access to lynda.com, which is LinkedIn Learning for, for free. Mm -hmm. um, and this is also just a great time to work out to any, reach out to any professional development providers like those people are worried about customers and revenue as well. Right now is a really good time to get deals and negotiate with, with providers of professional development and online uh, skills and just say like, hey, if I get a bulk buy for my staff, like let's work on a deal here because uh, those people are open to, to discounts and stuff too. Um, so, I wanted to um, bring yeah. it back to a couple of points like you were mentioning um, like if some businesses or some or places, some countries are helping uh, with their w with their economy, and um, mm -hmm. I was I was just told recently that Germany um, has lowered it to like a fifty percent work work week, so yeah. they don't work like forty, they work like twenty hours because and the government is helping them yeah. um, subsidize their salaries and stuff, which I thought was really awesome because now they have time to, um, you know, be with their families totally. and heal and, you know, spend time for themselves. And I, I, I don't know any other, I don't know what, like, if there's any other countries that are doing something similar. Yeah. Um, well, in but yeah, Canada, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Oh, oh well, the, the subsidy thing, right? Yeah. So in Canada, it's not across the board, like every company gets access to it. Mm -hmm. But um, but small businesses that are that are Canadian businesses registered in Canada are eligible currently for a seventy five percent 
uh, wage subsidies. So certain small, oh, small businesses okay. are basically getting 75% of their salary of their wages paid. Uh, like the com- the government is paying those wages, which is awesome because it allows, I know a lot of companies that instead of laying everybody off, that allows them to take people down to 50%, but keep paying them or something like that, or right. allows them to keep people paying, paying people full time. Um, Cause the yeah. other side of things that come up, which is um, really relevant or, like worth bringing up is that only really first world countries are able to do something like that. Um, I have coworkers that are from Colombia and they were saying that the president was toying with the idea of um, opening things back up by the end of April, um, which is not that far away, Mm -hmm. but they need to keep going and like sustain their their economy. And a lot of people don't work remotely and that's just a fact and there's probably a lot of places in the world like that too um, where they have to keep going because a lot of their work is outdoors and community-based and in crowds and stuff like that too so it's I mean yes the the they say like the disease doesn't discriminate and all that kind of stuff and it's just it it brings a lot of that like um, I think about a lot of that as well Um, but yeah yeah me too I I and that's why I ought, like so often preface kind of some a lot of those things I say right uh, just recently is like for the privileged folks these are the opportunities and mm-hmm. and and um, and and more specifically for the privileged companies that are either not affected or can work fully remote or whatever um, and happened and like you said live in countries that are both, you know, either strong economically or hyper-developed, but also have what I think is, it takes two things, like the stuff I've seen from Germany and the stuff I've seen from our country, it's not just that they have the means to do this stuff, but they also had the political will, right? Mm-hmm. I think Germany, Germany's spending something like 20% of their GDP on these relief packages. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're accepting the fact that they're they're going to be taking out a huge national debt and they're, and they're spending an incredible amount of their um, uh, equivalent of their economy's GTP on this, where, you know, the, the American package, I think is something closer to 10%. I don't know what the Canadian package is. Mm. Um, so it's like a combination of, of, of being in a, in a privileged economic situation as a country going into this thing, but then also having the political will to do it. And I think, mm-hmm. Like you said, one of the toughest things about this virus is it is it's like it doesn't discriminate to where it goes, but also it's like when it comes to opening up the economy, it's kind of the once again, it's kind of the virus's choice more than it is the the politicians or the business owner or even the population's choice. Because you could say, okay, we're going to open up our economy on May 1st, but if you do that and you open up stores and everything and you don't have this thing under control and you don't have proper testing and you don't have that stuff in place, well, it's just going to come roaring back and then yeah. it's going to force you to close the economy again, potentially for a longer period this time. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm at a loss for advice to give to a lot of people. And, and funnily enough, I'm, uh, I'm not from Colombia, but I, I actually have quite a few friends there. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, that's what I first experienced remote working. It was going down and, and spending a month in Medellin working out of uh, some remote working spots there. And, and yeah, I've been, I've, uh, I've been talking to my friends and specifically their family members who are in things like 
you know, they're in real estate or they run a restaurant or whatever, this world's completely different. And I, I, I wish I could do more and provide more advice. I think the, the, the best thing is if you are in a position to, and most people are just focused on survival, but if you do find the downtime, you know, there's almost always a silver lining and there's one investment that usually requires little or no money and it always pays off. And that's kind of investing in yourself, right? So that's sitting down and identifying what are your strengths and weaknesses? What are you uh, good at and proficient at? What skills have you always thought would make you better professionally or personally? And finding a way um, to, you know, put in, even if you can put in 45 minutes a day, an hour a day in addressing some of those things, if you have downtime right now, if your work is shut down, um, and once again, if you're just focused on pure survival, then that's not the greatest tip. But if, if you have downtime, I think that's the best recommendation I can make. And the reality is we, and once again, you have to have the privilege of having internet access and reliable for this, but we've never lived in an age of more free distributed, high quality education mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, than we'd live right now. That's true. Um, and it can be a bit of a problem because it can be really noisy. There's so so, so much of it. And you can get overwhelmed by the amount of courses or YouTube videos or free online books or whatever. Um, So you have to figure out a way to cut through the noise. And what I would say is if there's something you want to learn, uh, for example, I'm really weak in economics and statistics. There are things that I always avoided in my life in education. I figured that now is a good time to kind of like learn about this stuff. I reached out to a friend of mine who you know, did a degree in economics, who's in that whole quant finance area. And I just said to him, can you give me your top three like blog articles, books, videos, like free resources mm-hmm. that you recommend a first starter start out with? You know, Use someone in your network who knows more about that thing than you to do the filtering for you so you don't have to do it. But That's I what um, that- my friends have done as well because um, they're like, hey, I want to get into media production and filming and stuff like that and like blogging whatever like what do you recommend for canvas where do i start off with so um i have gotten a couple of those questions recently as well which is it's cool that they want to try things out i think now is the time as well we've got a question actually in the q a box and um mustafa a is asking do you only consider working with north america's developers perhaps in the um context of teammate or in... yeah yeah no it makes Perhaps. total makes, makes total sense um so currently team it is pretty much exclusively working with not just north american developers but canadian developers and i'll i'll say straight up on a personal note and uh and and i can speak for the whole team that is a hundred percent not because we think that's only where there's good talent. In fact, like Teamit is kind of building its own platform internally uh, for our team to use to like sort through all of our clients and stuff. And we work with two Brazilian developers in building that platform. The main reason that we place Canadian developers is because the people who founded our company um, spent two decades placing in a more traditional recruitment sphere placing, you know, Albertan developers and Canadian developers at Canadian companies. 
so our whole network, existing network, and, and a lot of my network, because I, I worked in BC and helped grow developers there, is Canadian developers. So in the, in the right now, our focus is on the networks we have and really maximizing those. But I know that in the future for expanding, you know, we're big advocates of uh, talent is found everywhere. And with high speed internet connection, distributed workers could be from anywhere. And it would be ignorant to think it, they're only found in one place, but just from a pure current existence of our, of our network, um, that's what we do. But that being said, I know for a fact, there are Canadian companies uh, like Mob Squad is the name of one, uh, Terminal.io, and uh, and um, Van Van Hack and Van Hack Van Hack actually being the most significant that their entire business model is around uh, working more with out of country technical folks and usually their model is actually more about bringing those folks to Canada. So especially Van Hack uh, has a model where they, you know, find developers outside of Canada. They basically work to find companies that would be interested in that talent. And then they move that talent into Canada and help with like cool. permanent residency and all of that sort of stuff. So they're basically like sourcing uh, immigrant talent to come into Canada. Um, and then there are lots of companies that, you know, work with like offshoring or whatever. Um, I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. Well, yeah. that's pretty cool. I mean, I haven't heard of um, these. So I, I share them in the chat yeah, if anyone perfect. is interested. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Mustafa, yeah. I hope that helped a little bit. We also yeah, have totally. one more question. Not mm -hmm. sure if you'd be able to answer this, but I'm just going to ask Loretto asks, Loretto says that she did talent acquisition for a personal transportation company and she's currently looking for remote work mm -hmm. would you happen to i don't know know any like um companies that may relate to talent acquisition or any of that or like for me of course i'm gonna say you know check out tori but perhaps mm -hmm. you already have loretto because you're here mm -hmm. um, but do, would you have any other um any other advice or things for that yeah, I mean, I think when you when you when you switch to remote work, there's the personal benefits, which are, you know, you can cut down on your commute and you can work out of home and all that sort of stuff. But also it allows you to work for any company that's also doing remote work in the world. Right. So I guess my advice is you've got a skill, you've got a background in talent acquisition, and that's a valuable skill. There's a lot of companies that either pay external companies uh, or work with external companies like ours to find and hire talent. And there's a lot of companies that spend a lot of money to build those teams out internally. Um, so my best recommendation uh, to Loretta would be to start investigating the remote specific job boards. Um, so that would be like, we work remotely, um, Flex jobs. Um, well, Torre, obviously. Uh, can you think of any other ones, Josephine? Like that are that are job boards that are like specifically around remote work. I there's like Remotive. I think it's Remotive. Yeah. Um, 
all of which I know there's a, a lot that also focus specifically on and a lot of them, I mean, on tech positions, which is something I hope to see um, expand. Uh, oh, yeah, remote. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're already um, doing it remote. I see. Yeah, it, okay. it's, it's just that. Um, yeah, a lot. I think something that is quite true at the moment is that a lot of the uh, remote jobs are really tech focused. And totally. uh, but but that's that's the way it is and that's the way it has been um i think with also the switch and that we're dealing with right now mm -hmm. um a lot more people are seeing the possibilities of how their jobs maybe they aren't developers and they aren't working in tech how their jobs could also be transferred um, and their skills could mm -hmm. be transferred in a remote setting too but i i haven't yet like seen for example uh, um, a remote job board that's just for creatives i don't know one maybe there are many out there but like things like that and yeah. when i mean creatives it's not like just content writing but it's yeah. like like actual like uh, like other types of jobs totally. as well so those are things that i'm like hmm, maybe they'll, they'll come out and they'll be um you know like a lot of people were saying that the last recession gave birth to a lot of innovative totally. companies like maybe that's going to come out as well um but yeah well, and, and I, I think there's certain places uh, and, and certain cities, uh, especially in North America, where this is where that are hit particularly hard, where this is going to be long tail too, right? Like mm -hmm. they, I think you're right that coming out of this, it's going to change the landscape. So there's companies who wouldn't have not been open to remote previously, who will be open to remote in the future. Mm -hmm. But there's also companies that are just going to make the decision to operate remotely for the next three months, potentially the next six months, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, there's that component. Um, and yeah, like, and because I, I know a couple that are, or a couple of my friends work in companies where they're like, mm, like I heard within the grapevine or whatever that we may get to keep being remote or we may yeah. get to keep, and I'm just like, yeah, totally cool. We're moving future. Well, and, it, just, and it might, and it might switch from a bunch of employees saying, Hey, we might get to, to saying, Hey, if we all just say that we want this coming out of it, like that they have the power. So actually, uh, Loretto, I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw my personal email in the chat because I feel like I, in the current moment, I can't do a super good job of of answering your question, um, and I and I don't know how much help I can be, but send me an email, give me a little bit of a, um, a heads up about you know what you were doing before and what you're looking for. And I'll see if there's like any companies or resources that I think might might be able to help you. I, I if I can be of help, uh, uh, firstly I'll, I'll try my best. Hopefully I can. Um, do you um, mind if I share that with all the like in the general chat in general? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just so, wanted yeah, to ask it's... for your permission. Totally. First. And um, man, that <laughs> we're we're nearing our end time, which is um, you've dropped so much knowledge today, which I'm very thankful for. So, mm -hmm. yeah, thank you so much for coming no on my, my and pleasure. and sharing all this with us. Because yes, there's a lot of um, points that you bring up that are worth definitely more long-term thoughts about, more long-term thinking, and yeah. um, a lot of it does have to do do with personal developments as well. Like we're all now put in a place where we have to think like, what do we want for our personal futures? And yeah. where do we want to go with this? You know, not just companies and not just like everybody has to be thinking about this. Totally. So 
And I yeah. think what you said is a really good point. You know, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, in the 08 crisis, that's during the 08 crisis is where Facebook had a lot of its funding come in. You know, mm -hmm. it was one of the few places that people were putting money in and then it came out of 08 and became the juggernaut it is, right? During mm -hmm. the 99, 2000 tech crash, you saw, you know, the Phoenixes be things like Google coming out of that and going on to be huge. And even if you go f as far back as the, um, the crash that happened in the early 90s, there's companies like Cisco that they're the ones that kind of phoenixed out of that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of personal stories like that too, right? So it's, it's a really tough time and, and to be in kind of, I think, emotionally for everybody, but mm -hmm. financially and personally for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are going to be, um, for lack of a better term, winners that come out of this. And there's going to be people who get to reinvent themselves and there's going to be new opportunities that come out of it. And if you can even put aside a small part of your day every day, if you're in one of those situations where it's mostly just kind of bad news for you to write or find some optimists or deep thinkers in your life and talk to them once a week and really press people on, what do you think the opportunities are? What do you think is the skills and stuff that are gonna matter coming out of this? How is this gonna change the world? Mm -hmm. Then a little bit, at a time, you can start kind of preparing yourself to to get back on track and grow. Um, there's there's one more thing I wanted to, sorry, just just highlighted my list of notes here um, because I kind of only really talked about what are the opportunities and I and I want to be honest about like what are the risks as well to both individuals and 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 businesses when it comes to workforce planning and. Uh, we kind of talked about like not having the right bench already. So that's, that one's been taken care of. Um, and, and then another obvious one, that's a really tough one is not having the right resources for the right bench. So you might look at what you need to do in the next six months or one year and be like, these are the type of people we need. And this is the amount of people we need, but we're cash strapped because of this thing. So we need to really prioritize. But I think a lot of, uh, another one that a lot of people aren't potentially not thinking about is, losing your top talent and retention. So a lot of people might default to saying, well, this is a messy economy right now and everyone's gonna be worried about their job, so no one's gonna leave. That may be true for some organizations, but let's say you have to do a bunch of layoffs and let's say some of your top talent, you just let go of their favorite people at the company. Uh, let's say you had to do a bunch of layoffs and now everybody who's still there is picking up the work that has to be done now that you've let people go. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that's now burning people out or putting a huge workloads on them. So I think you do, if you're a leader, if you're an HR, if you're a manager, you really need to be thinking about retention as well. Um, upskilling and reskilling is a great way. People like it when you invest in their personal growth. That's a great way for retention find even if you're maxed out with work and you have a smaller staff even if it's rotational finding a way to give people breaks during this stuff little mini vacations four-day work week here and there like mental health is going to be a challenge here and you don't want someone mm -hmm. just saying hey i'm cooked like i don't even I, i'm leaving you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i'm not i, I know i shouldn't because i need this job but like i'm going i'm leaving sort of thing so mm -hmm. i think retention is probably not on top of mind for a lot of people 
because it might seem paradox in that like because right, people are like they want to keep their they want to keep their job yeah but you know i was just talking to my friend last night that works uh that has a digital agency and it's great for him because he uses a lot of um contractors and he's been going after a couple of really high quality marketers for a long time but they have good like full-time salary jobs and all of a sudden he started getting emailing from them saying like you know we've been cut down to 50 percent and my work pay and 50 percent time but my workload's increased you know things aren't looking good at the company my mm. morale's really down like if i quit my job do you have contract work for me mm. like okay. he's getting people who he's been hounding for a year trying to get them to quit their job to come work for him now reaching out to him saying hey i'm not loving it here anymore and you know i figure i could get by with part-time contract work and be happier if i work with you so don't think that it couldn't happen if you're not supporting your employees and i think Candace, one of our coworkers, who's kind of the most um, expert in in this sort of stuff, I was having a session with her last night, getting ready for this talk, and she had a couple of like really quick, tight sentences that I think are um, really good ones to keep top of mind for leaders and managers. Which is, there's never been a more important time for transparency, authenticity, and vulnerability. Uh, people will understand that you don't have it all figured out and that you're making it up along the way you go with this thing. Mm -hmm. And that what people don't want is to be fed obvious lies or not be communicated to just because you don't have everything perfectly worked out. Right. Um, if ever there's been a time for over communication, now is the time, both in terms of reassuring, but also because we're using all of these different communication channels and, you know, Maybe not everyone's monitoring Slack because they're new to it, or maybe someone was tired and on Reddit during that, you know, all hands video call. They shouldn't have been, but maybe they were. You need to check mm -hmm. in with them and make sure they got that message. Um, and this is the one I like the most, which is without information, there is speculation. So mm -hmm. if your team doesn't know what's going on or what you're thinking, you can be sure that they're going to try to figure it out in their own head or amongst each other. And speculation can be a really dangerous thing during these times. So those um, are my last pre-prepared kind of <laughs> notes that I thought were kind of valuable that I wanted to get out. And I would love yeah. to, if you can email me those and I can um, post yeah. it out so yeah. people can refer to them in the um, sections when we post the videos out, that would be awesome. Yeah. And um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. My also, pleasure. thank you everyone for um, asking questions and joining us again today. Um, we're going to cap it off here for this episode of Fulfilling Work Live because Andreas, is, Andreas has to jump on for the Spanish webinar That's right. now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep, Remy, thank you so much. And um, I'll follow up with you on email and have a good day. Good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your day, everybody Absolutely. else as well. Thank you so much for having me. And once again, to those who tuned in, thanks for taking your time as well. Yep. Thank Cheers. you. See you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening and remember to share, like, and comment if this content brought value to your life. You can find us on social media as We Are Torre. Explore more content at blog.torre.co. See you around.